groups, to be part of something that was citywide in the cathedral, to just be ourselves there. Uh, I think those, the kind of guys who are running it just really appreciate it and just wanted to feed that back as I thought it was just a great moment of just seeing and praying and seeing God's presence just fill uh, the cathedral. Uh, so yeah, thank you for those who came as well, because I thought it was amazing. I genuinely thought it might be just me, um, and a load of other people came, so thank you very, very much. If you are one of those people, I'm not going to get you to stand at this moment. You know who you are. Jesus knows who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and that's enough, isn't it, Colin? Um, <laughs> So thank you. Um, As uh, Gus already said, we start this new series entitled I Am, where we're looking at the I Am statements of Jesus. Now, whenever we um, look at a series in Oasis, we always want to take a moment to say, well, there's there's a reason why we're doing it. We're not just thinking, all right, okay, it's kind of New Year. What should we do this time? I know. Let's just look and flick through that bit, or let's look at this book. Actually, there's a reasoning behind it. And I want to just take a moment at the beginning of the series to say, right, okay, there's four things or four reasons why we're looking at these I am's of Jesus at this point. The first one is the background of the year that we're in, 2015, whereas you were around last week, if you were, you've seen me talk about our theme for the year is the fact that we're named. If you weren't here last week, please can I encourage you to go online and listen to the talk, because it'll just do you good in remembering what we're about this coming year. But we looked at this whole aspect that we are living with this theme that we're named Oasis. And we're named Oasis because it's what we're going to be and do in the city. It's our identity and purpose. It's saying that God's dinner done amongst us, which is those four R's that I've already referred to, of, of being a place that we bring refuge, rest, refreshment, and restoration. And that's what we're about. And, and in this understanding, that isn't something we're welling up from within, but rather something that we experience for one whose identity and purpose we get it from, and that is God. And what we're going to discover as we look at these I am's of Jesus, that everything we want to be as a church is ultimately found in him. And the more and more we discover and look at and explore who Jesus is, who God is as Father, Son, and Spirit, pronounces this I am, we will discover what we get to enjoy in him and also what we therefore get to reveal about him and how it will fuel and empower us to be and live up to what we're named to be and live and reveal in this city. That's the first thing. The second thing is it's about a cultural setting. See, we live in a culture where there's a continual question being asked, who am I? Where if you ask people, if you go into any uh, bookshop, you can just find this kind of shelves full of books exploring uh, kind of that sense of identity, of understanding why is it I am wired how I am, and asking and trying to answer this question, who am I? And what we're going to discover through this series is actually the biggest question we can ask of who am I is actually answered through God's I am. And in us understanding who God is, it will cause us to understand who we are. That's the second thing. The third reason is it's about and reminding us of this great exchange of an understanding. Maybe we've never experienced this and through this series we will get to experience it. But for many of us, we have that it's become this great exchange of the I am's of our need are satisfied in the I am's of who Jesus is. And so what we're going to see through this series is the I am hungry or I am in need of satisfaction. We're going to find it satisfied in the fact that he is the bread of life. The I am fearful is satisfied in the fact that he is my shepherd. I am hopeless is satisfied in the fact that he is the resurrection and the life. 
I am in darkness is satisfied in the fact that he is our light. I am imprisoned is satisfied in the fact that he is our door. I am lonely is satisfied in the fact that we're connected to one who is our vine. That I am lost is ultimately satisfied in the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And what I hope is through this series, we, we get moments of reminding ourselves of the deep satisfaction there is to be found in God. Because as we taste more and more of how good he is, it causes us to then be able to reveal more and more to others of how good he is. Not out of a sense of trying to persuade them, but just out of the overflow of what we've experienced. That's the third reason of the I Am series. The fourth reason is my desire is and the hope is and our desire and hope is that this will do us good in our relationship with God. That our desire is never to be satisfied with where we've got to. So this is what I know. I know, I know God loves me and I, I, kinda, I think I understand more what that love is. No, we want to say, no, I want to keep pushing the boundaries of what that love looks like for us. And our hope is that through this series that we discover more and more of this amazing God who loves us. And that as we plumb the depths of these I am statements, it both causes us to understand more of who we are, but also causes us then to understand how we get to relate to this amazing God. And that we begin to unbox him in our thinking and allow him to just be the vastness that he is, the, the otherness that God is to us. And that as we do that, it then causes us to live differently in our worship of him. Live differently in how we reveal him. And so that's a little bit about why we're doing the I Am series. So where do we start off with? Well, where we start off with is where it all starts, which is an introduction of how Jesus introduces himself as the I Am. But before we get there, I guess my question is this. My guess is that for each of us, we've had moments where we've had to introduce ourselves. Maybe this morning you're here for the first time, and my guess is if you've been welcomed by one, anyone within Oasis, they would have forced you to introduce yourself. Um, however much you'd have tried to hide away from it. They said, well, who are you? And where have you come from? What, why are you here? What do you do? Where are you studying? Where do you work? Where do you live? And you're thinking, man, 20 questions. I just thought I could arrive. No, because we want to introduce you. We want you to feel welcome and part of us. But for all of us, we'll have moments where we introduce ourselves. And in that moment, it will cause a reaction to the other person. Now, maybe we've, we've had moments where we've introduced ourselves and we, we think the other person kind of gets us and there's this immediate link. Maybe it probably isn't us. Maybe it's someone else introduces themselves to, to us. And when they kind of introduce themselves, we kind of think, man, who do they think they are? They, they kind of have quite a high opinion of themselves. And we, and we might kind of judge them in that way. My guess is that we've never introduced ourselves. We're actually the outcome has been that people have started to pick up stones and say, let's kill you. Now, if that has happened to you, um, please do come and speak to me at the end, because I'd love to hear that story. Um, but what we're going to look at is just this story around Jesus' life, where as he introduces who he is, the response to the hearers isn't, wow, that's amazing, but rather it's, let's get some stones and kill him. And that's quite an introduction and impact. So we're going to start off in John chapter 8, verse 30 or 48 through to 59 it reads this the jews so at this point a set context basically jesus is talking to a bunch of jews that have gathered around him and he's just just kind of debating with them why he's there and talking about the fact that he's come in order that he can bring ultimate freedom and they kind of 
hearing it, but have seen some of the things he's doing, but they don't quite like it and think, well, who do you think you are that you think you can bring freedom? And so they're kind of saying, well, we don't quite think you are who you say you are. And so this is where we pick it up. It says, the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? That's quite a nice way to kind of continue the conversation. I don't know if you've ever had that. Who do you, what are you about? Oh, you think you're about that. Well, actually, I wonder if you're not really from Birmingham, are you? And I think you're demon-possessed. Um, funny enough, Jesus then answers, I am not possessed by a demon. That's a good way to answer. <laughs> I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honour my father and you dishonour me. I'm not seeking glory for myself. But there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this, they exclaimed, now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him. It's you know, quite a, you know, a mutual appreciation conversation. Um, if I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father, Abraham. Rejoice at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You're not yet 50 years old, they said to him. And you've seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they flicked their fingers. (laughs) At this, They picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Man. (laughs) That's an exchange. Imagine being on the sidelines. What's he going to say next? What are they going to say next? This is really going to kick off. (laughs) Jesus kind of escalates. The context of this is you've got this debate. So it starts with Jesus saying, man, why I'm here is to bring freedom. I, I'm this promise. And the, and the Jews saying, no, 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 you're not that. You're, you're just even possessed. And then you get it kind of escalating. Jesus saying, no, no, don't you understand? You know, this, this one, this, this father of yours, generational father, the one who's kind of one of the, the kind of key guys of our faith. He knew of my day. God had promised to him that out of his descendants, I would come. I'd be a blessing for the whole world. And he foresaw this, and, and here I am. And they're like, man, who do you think you are? And sarcasm kicks in. Man, you're not even 50. How could you have ever been around the time of Abraham? He never said he was around the time of Abraham. He said Abraham saw him. And it kind of gets this point. And then Jesus doesn't like say, oh, well, we'll leave it there. I can see we've got a lot to think about. He then kind of goes for the jugular. <laughs> goes for this moment and says, oh, no, no. Before Abraham, I am. And at that moment, everyone listening is just appalled. They can't believe what they're hearing and they have to pick up stones. They think the only way out here is death. Because what Jesus did in that moment is he said to a bunch of people who'd only ever heard this spoken of, 
from generation to generation of one man who'd heard God himself reveal himself and name himself as I am. And now there was this guy who, man, he was a Samaritan. And was he? No. He was there and they're saying, who does he think he is? And now he's saying, he's God. That's crazy language. That's language that so offends us, we have to kill him. But you see, Jesus was using those words because he was revealing something amazing about what he was about to do and who he was. See, Jesus is offensive sometimes because he never allows us to sit on the fence. Jesus in this moment says, well, who I am is I'm not just a nice guy. I'm not someone who spoke well. I am God. And for any of us who've not yet seen him as that, he, he doesn't allow us to sit on the fence and say, well, he might be. We have to get to a point of saying, well, either he is or he isn't. Jesus doesn't allow us fence-sitting moments. Why? Because sitting on the fence ultimately is painful. We have to go one way or the other. Now, for us to understand the significance of this moment, we have to look back. You see, in this moment where Jesus is talking about the freedom that he's come to give, he uses this way to describe himself for a reason. Because he wants to draw the people back to see that what had happened before was going to be a shadow of what he was about to do. See, in him pronouncing that he is the I am, he's reminding them of this God who'd spoken before and said that he is the I am. Who'd spoken to this guy called Moses. So we have to kind of rewind the book, rewind the story back to the time of Moses in Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, we find that God is about to call Moses, is about to call Moses in order that he can use Moses as a voice to rescue his God's people from physical slavery. And so what we find is this is what happens, Exodus 3, verse 11 to 14. God speaks to Moses and says that he's going to use it. And this is Moses, use him. And this is Moses' response. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who has sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, but suppose I go to the Israelites and they say to them, the God of your fathers has sent to, I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Just as a quick aside, why he's asking this is that whenever someone was going up to the people and saying, God wants to reveal something, they, say, well, they would expect there to be a fresh revelation of who God is. So when they're saying, what is his name? He's expecting the question of, well, if you really have heard from God, maybe there's a fresh revelation of who God is that we want to see now. And God answers and said, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. But God says to Moses, I'm going to use you. And Moses' first response is, who am I? Who am I? And God says, I'm not interested. <laughs> That's amazing. Who am I? And God says, well, Moses, you're the guy I want to use. You know, you're a guy who's kind of looked after sheep. You're the guy who's seen the burning bush. No, he doesn't say any of that. He says, it's not about who you are. It's not the answer to who am I. It's, it's I am. That's what you need to understand. It's not about who you are. It's about who I am. 
and that I am going with you. I am sending you. I am. That for Moses in that moment, he gets to see something new about God. And then what we get to see in this story is that God reveals himself here in order that later on Jesus could reveal himself as God, as the same God, in order that we could understand something about who God is. Because there's a bigger picture that is revealed in this moment. It's a bigger picture that what we see in Moses' story, where God reveals himself as the I am, who's going to rescue his people from physical slavery and bring them into freedom, is a shadow of who God is in this moment, revealed in Jesus, who'd come to rescue all people from spiritual slavery to eternal freedom. In order that all could say, well, who's this God? Who can do that? Oh, Oh, it's the I am. It's the I am that we know who took the Israelites out of Egypt into freedom. From physical slavery to physical freedom. Oh, it's that God. Oh, it's this God now that we can see. And we have the testament of history that we can see through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. is able to offer all people freedom from spiritual slavery, to, from self-centeredness and the destination of death and destruction. To this moment of saying, actually, no, there's a totally different way. The I am has come. It's not about your efforts. It's about his. And he's able Jesus uses these words not because he thinks, oh, I know, I'll, I'll jazz it up a bit with a bit of um, kind of Old Testament, he wouldn't have said that, scriptural references. No, no, it's, it's because in this moment, there is a consistency here. The I am, the one who is able, is revealed, who both can bring physical freedom, but more importantly now brings spiritual freedom. See, God wants us to live in the abundance and understanding of those two words, I am. Because God is revealed through the I am. He doesn't say, I am, I am blankety blank. I am, at this point. We're going to look over the coming weeks of the I am's that then Jesus continues. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and life. But at this moment, what we discover is he just simply says, I am. To point back to Exodus of us seeing that this God who proclaims to Moses, I am. And defines that I am by saying, I am who I am. Imagine if you met someone and you said, oh, tell me a little about yourself. I am. All right, okay. I am what? I am who I am. There's one of two things that are going to go on at that point. You're going to think, you're an incredibly deep person. <laughs> or you're going to think, Who do you think you are? With God, it's the first. (laughs) He wants us to understand that I am who I am speaks of the incredible depth of who God is. See, the God who's revealed in the I am is one who's revealed as uncreated. I am what I am. So you find Genesis 1.1, the whole of the story starts off, in the beginning was God. That's it, there was just God. 
an uncreated being. For us who are created, that blows our brain. We think, what? what? Sorry? Hasn't everything been created? No, no. At the beginning, there was one who was not created. One who was God, who was Father, Son, and Spirit. Who wasn't created and always existed. And existed in love. You find it in John 17, 24. We say, where Jesus is praying, saying, Father, you've loved me before the creation of the world. We looked at this last year. In the center playlist of loving God, of, of that sense of this community of Father, Son, and Spirit that always existed. That existed exclusively together in love, enough for each other. It wasn't kind of like they were kind of drifting around eternity thinking, man, it's, there's got to be something else than this. No, no, that, that was enough. Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect communion. In perfect love, loving one another, and that was it. And they were self-sufficient that the I am that's revealed is one who is self-sufficient. John 5, 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. That in God there is life. That God is completely self-sufficient. He isn't in need. Isn't that God created everything? He said, I kind of need something here. No, no, he had everything he needed. Completely self-sufficient. Find that I am reveals God who is the source of all. John 1, 3. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That the I am who is I am is defined as one who is the source of life of everything. Who holds everything together. The I am is revealed as unchanging. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. The I am who I am is consistent, never changes. I don't, I don't know about you, that, that kind of blows my brain because I just think, man, I change. Sometimes I, I feel like I, I, this is good. You know, to be honest, just follow me for for a 12-hour period, it can start at whatever time I get up, five or six, and basically you get, you know me, so it's, oh, grumpy Asian, grumpy Asian, grumpy Asian, grumpy Asian. It's 11 o'clock, oh, I quite like the day now. Jesus, you're amazing. And then it's there, and that's just me, you know, I've just, that's before I've interacted with anyone else. There's a sense of, I don't know what it's like, but God never changes. He just is Love. We'll always be loved. We'll always follow through whatever he said he's going to do. May not be in our timing, but he's always going to follow through. He's always going to be for us, always going to be accepting of us. He's completely unchanging. And then we're told that I am reveals God is present. Matthew 28, Jesus leaving these words that will kind of reverberate through the whole of history. Surely I am with you always the very end of the age. The I am is present. It isn't I was, it isn't I will, it's I am, I'm here now with you. The God who is I am, is uncreated, self-sufficient, the source of all, unchanging, is present. And that totally changes everything for us. Because it impacts how you and I live. You see, if we've centered our lives around Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection, who is the great I am? Who is the image of the invisible God? We now get to know this God. I don't know what you've boxed. I don't know what I've boxed sometimes. A God of my boxing, a God of my making, who at some point I have to unwrap and just allow to unravel to the vastness of I am. 
that allows me to see one who is uncreated, self-sufficient, sourceful, unchasing, present, is totally not like me. And because when I look at him like that, it changes how I relate to him. Because I realize that God is enough. It isn't that God might be enough. It might be, isn't that God could be enough. It is that God is enough. The I am promises that. That whatever this life has to throw at me, that God is enough in it. See, it means that I get to be part, we get to be part of this community that's always been. We get to be part of this loving, uncreated being and in perfect communion with that community. We get to be in relationship with one who isn't looking to gain, but is always looking to give because he's self-sufficient. We get to relate to one who is the source of all life, that everything we could ever need is found in him. That we get to relate to one who is unchanging, who, whose love for us is never going to change. There's nothing we can do to make him love us or accept us anymore. He's already at top level. It cannot go anymore. It's just we've got to explore more of it, and it will never drop down. He's unchanging. We get to relate to one who's present with us. No matter what's going on, however dark or ever light life feels, God is present with us, and we're never alone. It changes how we relate to him. When we unbox and say, you are the I am. It changes how we worship him. Because suddenly we realize we're not coming to a God. We're trying to kind of say, well, it's Sunday morning, cheer ourselves up. Oh, yeah, Jesus, you saved me. Oh, there's a cross. Yeah, yeah, let's get that. No, we just come and we say, God, you're the I am. You're not like me. And I'm just left in awe of you. My breath is taken away when I fully allow you to breathe in the wonder of who you are. That it can't help but say, God, you're amazing. You had me at uncreated. <laughs> and then you continue. Self-sufficient, source of all, unchanging, present, now. I, I want to worship you. I'm in awe of you. And yet you love me? Man, I can't help but love you. I can't help but want to give my heart to you. Why would I give my heart to anyone or anything else? Because that is everything I've ever needed, everything I've ever wanted. Worship becomes his outflow, just saying, the I am? Man, that should be enough. We should just gather and say, I am! And then we just run in and go, yes! Because <laughs> we need to understand just the wonder, the awesomeness of who he is. It changes how we relate to him. It changes how we worship him. It changes how we reveal him. It means that we don't ever box God up. We don't think, oh, how are we going to get this package in? We just realize that whatever situation we're in, whatever life situation we come into contact with, we've got the I am, and he's enough for it. And we just, allow, just need to allow him to be able to be revealed through our lives. We're not trying to push Jesus in. We just allow him to come out because you just think, He's enough in every situation we come into contact with. Which kind of gets us to this point. We'll skip to the last slide. See, Jesus is our great I am. And we're left with two questions. Have we received him as our I am? That's either yes or no. If we haven't, it's 
What does it look like for us to then receive him? As everything we've talked about as an I am, of everything that we could ever need is found in him. Are we willing to say, Jesus, I just want you to be at the center of my life. I want to trust in your life, death, and resurrection to say, I, I want you. For some of us, we just know we're on a journey of just going closer to him, saying, Jesus, I know I'm being drawn in. Keep enjoying the journey. For others, we're getting to that point of saying, no, I want it. For others of us, we say, I, I'm not sure yet. For many of us, we have said, Jesus, you are our great I am. The question is, are we continuing to receive him as that? Or I like, or like me, have you potentially boxed him slightly smaller than he truly is? And it's time to unwrap who God is and the wonder of who he is as the I am. And allow it to fill our life differently in how we relate to him, how we worship him, and how we reveal him. We're kind of basically at the end point. It's quarter past 12. So I know we're going to finish. And so I'm going to be slightly noity, naughty. Noity, naughty. What I'd really like is, Angie, would you mind just coming up? It'd be just really helpful. I just, I just really like us to finish. I'm not going to pray for us this morning. I just really like us to just finish by singing a song. We're just going to sing kind of a verse and a chorus. Um, this, the chorus is, How Great Is Our God. I just think the only way we can surely respond to who God is as I am is just say, You are great. And so we'll just sing that, and then I think we'll give it to God. And then if you want to be prayed for, I'll probably end there and say, if you want to get prayed for, please come forward. We'd love to pray for you. At that point, if you've got kids, go and get them. Can we stand? Um, Splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself. He wraps himself in love and darkness. This tries to hide and trembles at his voice, and trembles at his voice. Age to age and age to age, he stands. Time is in his hands, and time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning. Godhead, the Godhead three in one, Father, Spirit, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb, how great is our God, how great is our God. our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God.
God, we do just come, and in the frailty of our language, we just say that you are great. There's so many things that we describe as great, but compared to you, they're, they're nothing. But God, when we look at you, we just realize how great you are. And our desire is that this world, everything in it would see and taste how great and how good you are. And so, God, I pray, would we live out this week knowing you as our great I am, that we get to relate to, get to worship, and then get to reveal. And I pray, God, that we go knowing that you who are so great are with us. And I pray, God, that this year would be a year where we would see much breakthrough, breakthrough in our lives, but breakthrough in the lives that we come into contact with, that there would be many who come amongst us and join in this song of how great you are, God. Amen. Okay, if you've uh, got kids, please can I encourage you to go and collect them. If you haven't and you'd love some prayer, uh, please come forward. We'd love to pray for you. If you want to grab a drink, please do. Otherwise, we're done. Thank you very much.